You're listening to Darling Shine, a podcast by Chloe Fisher and myself, Elodie Pullen. Join us as we blindly navigate and unpack the raw and often unspoken experiences of womanhood, grief, friendship, and everything in between. Encompassing all emotions, ugly and beautiful, we've made a promise to ourselves to find our shine and build a life of triumph and joy. Darling Shine is your survival kit to the unexpected shit life throws at you. Good afternoon, darling. Could be morning or afternoon. Could be either or. We're cutting it a little bit know. fine this week. Yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't believe it, but it's actually Monday and the episode comes out. This on comes out Wednesday. On Wednesday. We had a bit of a midweek blowout <laughs> that last week. So Chloe had a little hangover. You had a hangover oh, too. You had more of a hangover. Chloe, you know, she saw the red carpet at the Met Gala. She just couldn't <laughs> control herself. We had our first Darling Shine event, so that was fun. Mm. Brit, Brit left mm. her two babies at home. Elodie left Minnie with Paul. It was. I left my husband with Minnie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, babysitting each other. So we had a. It wasn't a Darling Shine event. It was like an event for some that we got invited to, like as yeah. as a company. So that was really cute. Yeah. We went and had this really ni- nice dinner. Elodie like started like she okay. So we ordered these spicy margies at dinner, and I they arrived, and mine was a little bit spicy. So she's like, don't worry, I'll drink it, I'll drink it, you order another one. But before my other one had even come to the table. No, before she, you'd even ordered it. Before I even ordered my one, she had drunk both the chili margies. I love spice. I love spice straight down the hatch. Yeah, Get so them in. We got a little bit messy at dinner and then Elodie somehow pulled her shit together and then I um, mm. I, I'm all about peaking early and then yeah. tapering off. I, I had to drag Chloe out of there. No, and you I, wanted I to had stay. that moment, you know, when you when you're getting a bit drunk and mm. you have that, your life flashes before your eyes, and you're like, "Holy <laughs> shit, I'm really drunk! I need to get out of here immediately before I throw up." And just, that's what happened. I looked at you, and Ellie's like, "We should just smoke bomb," and I'm like, "I don't think we can even smoke bomb out of this place. We're actually going to have to say goodbye and, because people." I hate saying goodbye in between twenty people. We're like, "I smoke bomb out of <laughs> yes. that one." <laughs> we were wedged in. I was like, oh, that's right. I was like, say we're going to the bathroom. And you were like, okay, guys, Elodie wants to go. We're all going. And I was like, no, you egg. We were going to say we're going to the bathroom. We're going to fucking bail yeah. back door. Yeah. And then Chloe was going on about her wrist again, saying Minnie broke her wrist. But then footage emerged the next day of you carrying that massive bottle. And I remember why you hurt your wrist. No, I actually, I, I, look, I'm not going to blame it on Minnie. I actually did start training the week oh. before and I say to my trainer like I've got to take it easy I've got to take it easy and then like what do you know he brings out 15 kilo weights he's like see how you go and then oh, didn't bruh. go so well so anyway it's actually feeling pretty good now I think it was just a moment I had a bit of a moment but anyway I would like to introduce to you guys our guest for this week um his name is Genoa Van Keekum and he's our first male of the season which is exciting mm, we thought we'd take a male every season um we'd shake things up and chuck one in there and he was kind of perfect we had some absolute lols um yeah sorry in advance he is well yeah he's he's amazing he really is amazing and I thought you know just through the whole climate with all the COVID shit kind of like fizzling out everyone wants to get back into their routine 
get mm. back into creating some habits for themselves, some healthy habits. So why not do a meditation um, episode? And um, Genoa specializes in Vedic meditation, which he'll speak about in the episode. And there's also a, a form of meditation called transcendental meditation, which I was really interested in learning about. So he explains a lot about that. Um, we speak about how you find results like are there results when you're meditating yeah. um what else do we speak about we also speak about how, how to cure a hangover with meditation yes I'm, I'm yet to try that but um that should be an interesting we talk one. about grief and meditation and ivf and meditation and we just learn about the benefits and the science supporting meditation and what effect they can have on your brain and nervous system I became so aware that I really badly need to meditate and definitely add that to my routine. We have a lot of lulls during the episode, so it is quite a serious episode, so we are sorry about a lot of the mucking around. <laughs> we also had a lot of tech issues, so that kind of came into play a little bit as well, so we are going to apologise in advance for that. But overall, it's such a great episode, educational episode, yeah. I think. yeah. And a bit of a trigger warning for anyone that's from Adelaide because Elodie starts pulling up on Genoa and all the ways he says chance and plant and, <laughs> and circumstance. <dance>. So <laughs> You we- guys need to get your act together. We are Australian. <laughs> we are bogans. We are not posh. Um, no, you guys are hilarious. The Adelaideans. And also, which is like one thing that I, my favourite thing that I learned, well, like I didn't know about was I genuinely thought that meditation was literally chucking on an app before you go to bed and listening to a meditation from an app and Genoa really explains how he doesn't use any apps and like Mm -hmm. how it's all about mantras and how you get given your mantra and the different um he basically trains and teaches courses so he speaks about that as well so yeah we're really excited to share this episode we hope you get a lot out of it um because we really enjoyed learning about it enjoy let's go Hello and welcome, Genoa, to Darling Shine. <laughs> oh, girls, good to be here. Glad we finally got here. <laughs> yeah. Well, Genoa, would you believe, is from Byron Bay. You're mm. kidding. And we're talking about meditation today. <laughs> what makes you say that? Because it's funny, Byron Bay and meditation. Are you kidding? Okay. Everyone there meditates. Don't you reckon, Genoa? She's been stereotypical well, here. Actually, not as many as you you think. The it's it's changing a bit. It's a lot more like scene people coming up here, and it's not quite as like spiritual as it was back in the day. They're pretending it's becoming a bit more of a mix. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so Fake it's man. not. I, I used to think that I was like, "Fuck, I'm not coming to Byron. It's too like woo woo and hippie because that's not really my style." But now being here, I'm like, it's not too bad. It it works. I fit in. Where were you previously? So I was in Sydney for 10 years prior to this, but I was born in Adelaide. So I was in um, Bondi, Sydney, um, Pado, and then up here a couple of years ago, I moved here. So I feel like when I listen to another mm. podcast, like I listen to a few podcasts that you've been on and I thought you had, sounded like you had like a New Zealand accent, but you definitely don't have a New Zealand accent <laughs> right now. No, well, apparently South Australians, we have a, and I've been called out it before, where I, certain words that I Gosh. say that's slightly different. I don't know. Um, but it's not the first time I've Say heard plant. that. <laughs> Say plant. See, when you, Say plant. See, the thing is, when you, when you ask me to think about it, do I say plant or plant? Plant. It's, plant. You guys say fucking plants. plant plants. and dance. I think I think it's a plant. Yeah, I go plant. But I go planting. Wait, you don't. Do you really say plant? 
<laughs> well, now that you've made me think about it, it's, it's, it's mind fucked me. So I don't know what, like, what I actually say when I'm natural. That's really, I've never known no, that. Do you not know Radelaide? Plant. They say plant and shit down there. Yeah, plant. Wow, okay, well, yeah. there you go. My friend was plant. talking to me the other day and she was like, yeah, in that circumstance, and I was like, it's circumstance, <laughs> like, mate. Circumstances. Do you say herbs or herbs? Oh, herbs. Like Americans say herbs, herbs with an herb. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a her. Okay, good. Her, yeah, there's a H there. I think that's American right. herbs. This is a great start yeah, to the combo. Yeah, stunning start. You're Judging actually- you on your va- vocabulary, I love that. All right. We are so excited to hear a little bit about your journey going into meditation and what kind of led you to to learning and getting involved and, like, just becoming a little bit of a meditation guru. So, I mean, prior to me becoming a meditation teacher, I hate the word guru because it sounds a bit, I don't know, I just don't like the word. <laughs> it's a bit and, um, <laughs> Yeah, right, I'm not a fucking guru. I mean, the, the fundamental meaning of it is nice, but the idea of guru, I don't think it really sits with me. So prior to being involved in meditation, I was so sceptical. I thought it was a bunch of bullshit. If someone were to say to me, oh, you know, you should meditate or whatever, I was like, fuck that, I'm not a That's hippie. Fair. And so I was, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was me. I was like, don't even worry about it. <laughs> She's already thrown you under the bus. All right, good. And um, yeah, yeah. And so I was never, I was never open, open to it at all. And even like my old man, he was, he's quite a spiritual uh, hippie kind of guy. But I was like, no, 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 stay away. I was like, I played footy. All I cared about was drinking and and partying and chasing girls, and that was it. That was my thing as as an early twenties uh, guy. Anything outside of that, I was like, whatever. And so, but at the same time, I had, I didn't realize I actually had anxiety. So I'd, I'd get so um, nervous and sick. I'd almost want to vomit sometimes. And I thought that was just normal. You had to push through it, right? And so I'd push through that. And of course, drinking helps that. So I'd drink more. And and that was a big part of my identity also was the the party guy. And, but also I was never, I never felt totally happy or right. I was like, is this it? Like, um, um, is there more to the level of, like my, uh, my mind or what I'm doing in this world. And I was just never quite satisfied. And, and I still was just like, oh, I don't know what to do about that. I just, you know, you just, you just push through life. Right. And, and it wasn't until I got exposed to some people by chance. I used to work for an alcohol company. So before I became chance. a meditation teacher, I was in the. Chance. <laughs> yes, you got it. Are you not going to. I'm not letting any of that shit fly, mate. It's not getting past. We are going to be pulling you up on that bullshit. We are in Australia. We're we so both, fucking chance oh, here. Not yeah. We both just went chance. Oh, sorry. That almost gave me a shock. I was like, what did I say? Go back and say chance. As you were saying. Chance. Goodbye, chance. So sorry. Uh, um. So by chance, I met people who were clients of mine working in the booze uh, industry and they meditated and they were normal. And one of the, one of the blokes, he was a, a bloke in his 60s and he like, surfed and he was a chef and he owned the restaurant and he was just like a bit of a hard ass. And I was like, I respect him a lot. And he, was, he, just, he just said this one, one line to me once, he's like, oh, we started, I started meditating and I just wish I'd learned this when I was younger. And this is coming from a, a bloke I was respected who was like a bit of a lad, but older. And, and I was like, oh. And that was this trigger for me. I was like, okay, do I look into this? And then I started researching high performers, 
you know, smash Tim Ferriss podcast and just the theme became so clear. I'm like people that were at the top of their game had some kind of meditation practice, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, I want to try. And so I learned and when I learned, I decided to stick with it. I'm pretty good like that. When I invest in something, I'm like, I'm going to give it a crack. And I just stuck with it. And then things started to shift in my life. And I was like, oh, I, I think I get it now. And it's one of those things that I had to do it to, to get it. Like you wouldn't have been able to convince, and I had to be ready as well. You could have convinced me. You could have tried to convince me as much as you like. Don't worry about it. And I had to sort of almost come there on my own and then be like, ah, yeah. and I experienced it. And then things started to shift for me. And that kind of led me down the path of uh, studying to become a teacher. So I was literally opposite ends. I was going to launch a distillery. So I was like full. My life was booze and alcohol. That's what I did. So I knew the industry and I was going to launch a distillery, had a business plan ready to go. That was my thing. And No way. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that the two can coincide though? Like, as, like I just think well, they, they do. Being launching a distillery, you can – yeah, be in the alcohol industry doesn't mean you have to be a piss pot and you can still meditate. Do you think you could do both? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've done workshops where I've combined them. So we do meditation and mindfulness first, and then we do like a mindful gin tasting. So I combine it, and meditation is about performance <laughs> and recovery. Love that. And when you're working hard and if you're drinking, you want to be able to perform and recover. So it, it ties in, it's just shifting your perception of what meditation means. And so I kind of enjoyed being the guy who was shifting a little bit and, and challenging people to go. And they're like, hang a second, you're out. I saw you at a 3am on the weekend, you know, doing God knows what. And I was like, yeah, so, so. And they're like, and now you're here meditating, like teaching meditation to my business. I was like, yeah, I am. Yeah. And that was, I kind of like mucking with the stigma around it. And that's kind of what I, that was actually a big motivator for me to become a teacher. It was like heaps of teachers out there were a bit, from what I was exposed to, they were the purest and it's like, oh, you know, I've suddenly found myself and I'm clean and blah, blah, And I'm like, that that blocked it for me. So I don't want to be like that. I kind of enjoy what I'm doing over here. And so that was a big part of it. I was like, well, how can I just still – I still eat meat, I still love coffee, I still drink, all the rest, and still have this – and teach this amazing practice which can have a profound impact uh, on, on your life. So that was kind of how the evolution of me uh, towards becoming a teacher played out. Oh, I love that. That's so inspiring. I'm like, I am become, yeah. going to become a meditator. I mean, I love, I've like always done a bit of meditating here and there. Elodie's, we, we've, we've spoken about, we've touched on meditation once or twice briefly in the podcast before and Elodie was like, you know, sometimes I like drive from home to the supermarket and then I realise like, how did I get here? Is that meditating? And I'm like, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> I <made my> form <laughs> but I was like, that was so, I love, that was really, I really like that. That's really inspiring. I, That's I definitely am going to keep well, doing. Well, you sold me. Yes. But I wanted to say, so you specialize in, is it Vedic meditation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't actually even know that there was more than one type. Well, actually, I know that there's two types, but do you want to give our listeners like a really um, like speak about this Vedic meditation and how it differs from other forms of meditation? So the interesting thing about meditation is what we are, what a lot of people believe is that meditation is just one thing and most of it is from what we get from the apps, right? So you have this idea that you're meant mm-hmm. to be able to clear your mind and do this kind of stuff and it's been this beautiful, blissful experience which – is not true. Uh, and I sort of liken meditation to the word exercise. So exercise is something we all know we should be doing. 
there's lots of different ways you can do it depending on what you want to experience and what works for you. And so similar with meditation, there are lots of different types of meditation depending on what works for you and what you want to get out of it. So I try to sort of simplify it as much as I can with there being two main types of, of meditation. So one being the type that is active or directive. So you're trying to do something. So pretty much all the apps involve this. So maybe you're trying to visualize something or you're focusing on the breath or you're doing a, a body scan or maybe it's a loving kindness or concentrating really hard on something. So all these you are trying to do something, right? And so these are really, really great for uh, doing at a point in time to like shift a state. So say you're feeling a bit anxious or overwhelmed or, you know, frazzled, they're really cool practice to do for a couple of minutes and they can tap um, to bring you back mm-hmm. and, and shift your state, which is really, really cool to have. Now, a lot of these techniques, however, were the ones that were practiced by monks. And so monks live very different to us. <laughs> they have time to meditate for hours and contemplate so contemplation is like to place awareness on your thoughts or something in your life that you're um, uh, dealing with, right? And so they have lots of time to master these styles of meditation. This is why a lot of people, they hear yoga teachers and meditation teachers go, you know, and leave your thoughts at the door or clear your mind of the day and blah, blah. When I used to hear that, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Now you've made it worse. Like, is anyone else in this room doing that? And it's because we don't live like monks. <laughs> but... It's when they say, now think about your breathing for me. Because I'm always like, what the fuck? I don't know why I can't think about my breath. Like, and then I stop breathing and I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a mind, they mind fuck you in there. Yeah, yeah. And so, and those techniques, they work for a lot of people and they're, they're great and they're powerful. And pretty much all the apps that you'll see out there are versions of these style of, of, of meditation. Now, the other style of, of meditation, which is what I studied and specialize in, which is where the Vedic and like transcendental come under, is more around non-directive, right? And these work more with using a mantra. And the idea here is that these techniques are designed to use the mantra. So a mantra is an affirmation. So it's not like I am powerful or I am love. Uh, uh, in this scenario, a mantra is a sound vibration, right? And if you want to delve into quantum physics and everything at a deeper level is energy vibration and so what these sounds mantras are designed to do are engage the mind in a way that it helps the mind to go beyond the relative thinking of the day so most of the time we're sort of you know we're doing to-do lists and we're planning we're worrying and all this sort of stuff's going on and when we start saying this sound mantra which has no meaning we're not trying to do anything or create anything or focus on anything or visualize something. All we're doing is just whispering this sound inside our mind. And what it does is that moves our mind out of a state of, of doing and it de-excites the mind into a state of, of being. And you might experience this for five seconds. You might experience it for five minutes. It might be 15 minutes. And while your body's in, your mind's in that zone, due to the mind and body being, well, ultimately one, not even connected, the body also then de-excites. Now, the power of the body de-exciting is it stimulates our parasympathetic nervous system which is the rest repair and and healing uh state for us to to be in this is when we're calm and creative and expansive as opposed to reactive anxious and and judgmental and, and and fiery right and so when we are in this state what's also happening is because our bodies are moving out of a state of survival 
which is the doing, the solving, the fixing, the rushing around, whatever, and we move, move out of this state, our bodies balance back up again and we move into a state where our bodies can do what they do best, and that is process, so heal, and create an environment that is the uh, most conducive to our health, right? Because survival is about living in, in the moment right here, right now. It's not about procreation or expansion or love or growth. And so we spend so much of our time in survival mode. So what we're doing is when we meditate in this style of technique is we put our bodies into this state and we're still thinking. So the mind is still active and the bodies are the ones that are in deep rest and the body starts processing the old buildup of stress and tension and fatigue that's in the system. So our bodies work as we accumulate stress, tension, trauma, fatigue, our bodies carry it. And if we aren't giving our bodies enough time to process and work through this, it's going to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate until it manifests into anxiety, panic attack, insomnia, getting sick, whatever it is. And so the, the, the main types of meditation that fit under this category are Vedic and Transcendental Meditation. Right, and so that's the style. Transcendent is to go beyond, so go beyond the relative thinking and allow the body to get into a state of, of rest. So, the directive think of in the now. The um, the non-directive is more like removing stress from the past. When you're in a really meditative state, is there is there like a I don't know what the right word would be, but maybe like a clairvoyant esque ish state that you can be in when you're like channeling that realm what meditation can do is get you into a state where the barriers to experiencing things like that's so a lot of i've worked with people who are like intuitives and do this kind of work and what they find is that from meditating regularly that becomes stronger so the meditation yeah. practice itself sometimes people experience where they're like wow i was in some weird um state but i would say the practice itself isn't designed to get you in that zone, but it can strengthen your ability to access those different realms if that's something that you're working with. So it, what wow. it's doing is it's removing barriers out of our system for us experiencing more expansion, connection, performance, depending how that looks for you. That's amazing. And I think just in general, like when you're more present, you are more open to like those dimensions. Mm-hmm. As well. So what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, if you're stressed or in any kind of state of fear, mm. you're not, you're like this, right? You are not totally. open. And it's a low vibration yeah. as well. And so <clears throat> by meditating, you are, A, you're actually lifting where you vibrate from energetically as, as well. And, and you're opening your mind up to uh, a different level of, of awareness, which is really, really cool. I gather meditation, like obviously, has everything to do with consistency and like the routine. Is that how you? Me- how do you measure? Um, how do you measure your results of meditation and what you get out of it? <laughs> yeah, it's a good. It's it's a good question because <laughs> it's a good question because a lot of people. Are, okay, so by week one, what should I experience? And by month two, how can I measure how far I've got? And it's not how <laughs> that'd it be me. Firstly, we all have an extremely different nervous system. We've all experienced extremely different things. And so it's going to impact us in a totally different way. So on the whole, there tend to be things that most people experience, which are things like anxiety drops. You find that you're a lot more calm, a lot less reactive. What people find is things like your awareness. You're like, oh, 
I don't even realize here that when this person says this to me, I should get quite triggered and I say this sort of thing. So it's really, really cool for you starting to check yourself as in like, you almost get like a bit of a filter between stimulus and response maybe that you didn't need to, to say. And so they're little things that most people t- think before you speak. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should have learned that before we started a podcast. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and so in terms of markers, there are no clear markers. So one person in the first two weeks of meditation might feel like shit because your body's laundering, right? So for me, I was exhausted. When I first started meditating, I was so tired. And I was like, I said to my teacher, I was like, uh, and I'm meant to be feeling amazing and energized and clear. And she's like, it's a laundering mm-hmm. process. So first your body has to remove the buildup of tension and stress yes. that you put in your system. And she's like, tell me about the last 10 years of your life. And I was like, party like a fucking animal. She's like, well, there you go. So you're tired. Your body's fatigued. So you're working that out of the system before you can up level. And I was like, ah, like a then for some people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It literally is like a, um, emotional, uh, physical Purge. detox for your system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does, that's why meditation doesn't always feel good. And this style isn't designed to feel good either. So often the first period is some discomfort. Let's work through it because that's within your system. Wow. If you're just sitting there with your eyes closed, saying a mantra, and you can feel that uncomfortable, what is that telling you? That something's yeah. within you. That's that. That's ugh, you didn't let that move through the system, and so that's when you start seeing some shifts in your life. So it's not about becoming an epic meditator. I'm ten years in, and I still have meditations where I think and I feel uncomfortable. I want to get out it's because my body's working through stuff for me, so I'm better when I'm out and engaged in the world. And, but it's going to look very different for different people. Mm. That's, that blows yeah. my mind when yeah. physical and mental like have such reactions to each other. Like that says so much to me about like just mm. every like and when we talk about spirits and stuff as well, just like all of that kind of gives me goosebumps. I, um, mm. I did a meditation course once and it was so crazy because they were just literally asking us to like to, their takeaway was, you know, you go home and you meditate for five minutes each morning and you, you try and sit there in silence and you can you can have a bell or an app or whatever you want to do and it's funny it was like a five-week course so like one day a week and then everyone would come back the next week and they're like how, how many of you guys did this every day and no one could put their hand up and everyone they're like how can we not find five minutes in your day mm. to do this like we think that we're that time poor when, you know mm. it just I've tried like I'm very I love meditate. I like before I go to bed every night, I will listen to a meditation. It kind of put me to sleep and I'm very interested in like the, everything about it and I really want to learn. That's why I was saying about the transcendental meditation, like I'm really interested in and I probably will after this podcast get in contact with you because I really want to do that course because I'm so interested in it and, you know, seeing where it leads me. But I've just found it so hard personally to stick to it. And it bothers mm-hmm. me so much because I, I just, for some reason, I can't commit and I don't know why I just, not like exactly what you said, it, sometimes it's really uncomfortable and it's boring and all this, but it's mm. like, why I just really want to try and get mm. that consistency. The inconsistency and resistance to meditation is real and it's, it's common. And mm. there are a few different reasons that I see a lot of people, uh, they struggle. One is because they're doing it because they know they should which isn't enough motivation, mm-hmm. right? I should be doing this, isn't enough. So it's really, really, get really clear on like, why am I doing this? And what, is the, what does life look like for me on the other side of doing this? And what could life look like for me if I don't start doing this? So that's one piece of it to really get some like, why am I doing this? 
Because just like anything, like you know, you do well, something ridiculous, like over ninety percent of resolutions don't stick because there's no real charge. It's like, yeah, I know I should be doing this. I should eat better. I should mm-hmm. train. Should well, that's not enough for yeah. us, right? You got to get a yeah. something deeper. So, like, why am I doing this? Another key thing about it is to get used to and be okay with the discomfort. So when you're sitting there and you're like, this feels so bad. I want to get out of here. I've got things to do. Got better things to do. Blah blah. To know that that experience is doing some good work for you, right? And allowing your body to sit through the discomfort is a really, really powerful experience. And no, that is a sign of a good meditation as opposed to a good meditation only being one that is beautiful and blissful and empty minds and rainbows, which isn't what happens, right? And then another key to it is creating a, just know how you're saying, Elodie, how you drive to the shops, you don't realize how you got there. You create it as such a habit, you don't, so you can use this amazing skill that you've mastered to master meditation. Mm-hmm. So you can create like a habit in the morning that you don't even think about anymore that meditation fits into. Mm-hmm. So for example, you look at what you love doing in the morning. So what I love coffee, right? Mm-hmm. And what I do in the morning is I wake up, I wash my face, you know, scrape my tongue, go to the toilet and sit in bed and meditate. And then I can then reward myself with coffee and I can turn my phone on. So my phone doesn't go off airplane mode. I can't check Instagram. I can't have a coffee until I've meditated. And that's become now a routine I don't even think about. So it's not like, do I meditate today? Do I not? When do I do it? It's just, it's done. I meditate between 20 and 30 uh, once in the morning and then often in the afternoon as well. I thought um, you were going to say like six hours or something. You know, some like people like they're like, no, oh, I do it for an the hour prime, every morning. Like, no, no, no. Prime time for this is about 20 minutes, 20 minutes per sitting. Okay. So to get the best out of this, 20 in the morning, 20 in the afternoon. Yeah. If you can't do 20, do 15. And like. You're not timing it, are you? Because it's na- it's a natural. You go into it, you come out. You're not timing it and putting a fucking alarm on, are you? Or what are you doing? I don't know. Some people, again, we're so used to liking wanting to control everything and yeah. you know having everything set and get the most out of it. And so when I teach, I discourage people to set timers, and you'll get used to it. Like it's amazing what the bodies can yes. get used to. And like I've been doing it for a decade, I just. I, no, I wouldn't believe yeah. it if you said, oh, go and meditate for 20 minutes. It's like when someone says, you know, you, you have those micro sleeps that are 20 minutes, but if you do mm. 21 minutes, it's not good. It's void and it doesn't da-da-da. I'm like, don't no, tell no. me to have a nap for 20 minutes. It's going to take me 10 minutes to fall asleep, but I'm going to have set my alarm mm. for 20 minutes and I'm only getting a 10-minute nap. And it all just doesn't make sense in my head and I'll never switch off if I know that there's a time on it. That wouldn't be natural for me. So No, well... And the thing is, as part of the process, you like you have your whatever your watch or your phone on airplane mode there, and you close your eyes, maybe do a couple of deep breaths, bring in the mantra, and you literally you meditate. And when you think it's been about 15, 20 minutes, you literally just check, no, nah, we're good, another five to go. I feel like time goes really slow when you meditate. Sometimes, and sometimes it goes quick. It'll it'll do both. Sometimes you'll have stages where like you check every time you meditate, you're like five minutes, six. Six and a half, fuck, right? It's taking, you know, and that, and that, but then you have other ones where it's like, oh, wow, where did that 10 minutes go? And you have different experiences every time. Okay. Now, you can have a timer as a backup if you're worried about being late. So, say you want to meditate for 20 minutes, set your time for 25. Yeah. So, you know, you've got the timer there as a backup, but try to t- teach yourself to check and get used to that in your own, in your own way. 
Yeah, like I always hear all the time of like people being like, I'm just going to pop this on and then lie there and meditate. And I'm thinking like, is there a difference between doing that and actually meditating? Because I can certainly press play on something and lie down. I think that that's where, I think that that was where Janelle was saying at the start, there's these apps, which is you've got to, you're listening to it for a purpose. Whereas this Mm. is a different type of meditation that he's talking about. Like I listen to those apps because I love I like the woman talking to me and talking me through like a full body scan or there's this, Mm. there's this um, woman that I listen to most nights and I just, she talks about all different random shit, but that actually, it kind of like, it's curiosity for me as well because it gets me thinking about different things and like real peaceful things that I wouldn't usually think about. And generally it does put me to sleep Mm. at night. Whereas this, I feel like this meditation is really for your, like for yourself, like you're doing this, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're doing it all for yourself, but they're just different purposes. Yeah. Yeah. You're not plugged into an app. We're on tech so much. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't, everyone's like, oh, can you do a guided meditation for us? I'm like, no, go plug into a free app. Like, you know, yes, my, I teach I you to become self-sufficient. No more apps, you know, no more plugging yeah. in, no more being guided. You don't have to mm-hmm. see me again if you don't want to, once you've learned, that's the beauty of it. And that's the whole idea of this is you become this, you know, self-sufficient person who can do it wherever you want apps off I think the struggle for me to understand or the struggle for me to meditate is such a sign that I need to do it like so badly (laughs) well I mean where there's resistance there's something in it right that's what I feel like my key taking is from this just chat so far is that when you meditate you really try you your expectations are to have a clear mind and like you think the purpose of this meditating of meditating is to not think about anything and not have thoughts but when the days that your mind is super busy when you've got monkey mind they're the days that your 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 body and your brain and your everything is like really working through stuff that you need to work through so you just need to be be with that you know you can't mm. resist really like that mm. tame the monkey mind doll so even you know the, the monkey mind and the thoughts they're always going to be there but what's also happening in meditation is we're we're rewiring how our brain operates and our response to things so things that used to maybe trigger us would go into some negative spiral we start shifting that because you're in your meditation you've got this mantra and it's an anchor and so every time you go off in a thought you just come slowly back to the mantra and you're strengthening a muscle and so throughout the days when you previously used to disappear. I remember I used to drive in my car and I'd be thinking about a meeting and I'd have a half an hour argument in my head about with my boss and I'd get to the meeting and it never ended up that way. <laughs> that was a waste of energy. And even in terms of stress, like that's double stress on the system. That is so true. I, I do, do shit like all that the all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, you go. Do you talking about back to like where how we get physical benefits from IVF? I mean, so from medi- from meditation, <laughs> do you think we can get like we can prep our bodies for IVF and you know pregnancies? Looking into a lot of research around it, there are you know there's stories of people who have of women who have really struggled. And then started practicing some kind of meditation or mindfulness, and something's happened. And there's also a lot of research that is that is showing that stress doesn't um, impact the effectiveness of, of IVF, and so it's not conclusive. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. from what I see and and look at, stress in itself throws our bodies out of balance. It's about survival in the moment, and what it's doing is it's 
right, throwing into gear our sympathetic nervous system. And when that happens, we pump out adrenaline, we pump out cortisol, we're looking for threats, we're focused down, we're looking for the negatives. It's always negative because that's how we survive. But we can pick out all the negatives, that's how we survive, right? All our digestive um, processes, all our immune system, that all goes to the back burner. Procreation doesn't matter if you're about to survive in the moment, right? That's where this system comes from. And so it's not an environment conducive to healing or growth in any way, being in, in a level of stress. And so, and then on top of that is going through, I've had a few friends who have, who have gone through the process and to see the impact it's had on their bodies and their, I didn't realize the impact I met them. I was like, wow, like their hormones. And I was like, poor thing. Like it's so stressful to, to go through that as well. And then that adds extra stress on the body as well. And now when we are in particularly chronic stress so we're constantly worrying about things or how it's going to go and oh is my body going to be in this right you know environment for it to all happen when we're in that state we're pumping out cortisol and and cortisol itself that impacts the messaging between the brain and and the ovaries right so ovulation can um, be dysregulated what's also happening is when we're under stress is we age quicker aging is not conducive to fertility what also is happening when we're pumping cortisol into our system and we're not using it up is it, it's a way at our muscle tissue, which impacts metabolism, which can help us put on weight. Weight also isn't conducive to an environment for, for these things either. When we're fatigued, right? If we're stressed, it can lead to insomnia. Insomnia has a direct impact on our ability to, all these things as a byproduct of being yeah. stressed, put our bodies into a state that isn't conducive for con- conceiving. And also then when we go through the experience, we've taken on a lot of stress. Well, not your bodies take on a lot of stress and yeah. you hold on to that. And if you're not giving your body the right tools to process that, you got to hold on and carry that on as, as you go. So I would, I would say that practicing something that's going to help your body get into a, you know, relaxed state, that's going to help you reconnect back with yourself, right. Is going to put you in a profoundly better position for any kind of um, growth uh experience and even in terms of like our um innate intelligence as human beings like our bodies are powerful we grow human beings without we don't tell the body what to do right now when we are in a stress state we are in like survive when all that stuff goes to the back burner you know you're you're stressed you don't you you don't heal quite as quickly from sickness or a cut or whatever it is now when you are balanced Mm. you heal quicker so Mm. i would you know argue that if anyone's really serious about getting their brain and nervous systems regulated and in the best state they can like our nervous systems impact everything we do and our nervous system is one of the fundamental things that meditation is working with regulating and, and helping to to relieve so um I mean, meditation is just one of those. I teach as a foundational technique. Like it's like you want to build a house, you start with a strong foundation, which is nervous system. So Hello. sorry. Hello, Minnie. I don't know what to do about this. Elodie's just had to pop off and um, drop some milk off to Minnie. But I wanted, I know we've sort of spoken about, so do you not use apps at all? No, never. I, no. I, 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 the whole intention of this technique is that you won't need the apps anymore. Right. So, um, I mean, the apps can still be cool to have like this technique here, for example, it's not designed to do before you go to bed to put you to sleep, but it'll start 
working on your body so yeah. you will fall asleep quicker anyway. Does that make sense? So yeah. it'll mean yeah. you won't be anxious or so need the apps. Uh, that's yeah, kind of how, right. how it works, yeah. And so essentially in a nutshell what you do and what this type of meditation is, is you basically you get taught by a teacher, which is yourself, and then it's essentially something that you take away and then you you learn how to do that and you, you kind of just follow through and, and it's not it's not a something that you need to do every week with you once you kind of idea like learn the technique then you're kind of good to go on your own yeah so basically to learn we do it over three workshops and yep. once that's if you did the full version so there's i get yep. two options one is the full version because there's a ceremony in that it's like a little gratitude yep. ceremony you get to hear me sing it's in it's in a ah. sanskrit language so yeah yeah it's, you won't understand a word i'm saying <laughs> and there's that's the full version where you get your own mm-hmm. private mantra or for some people they're like, I'm not ready for that just yet. I do a high level. There's no ceremony, but then you only get like a choice of a couple of more high level mantras. So it's got kind of give a choose your own adventure with that. But once you've learned, you don't need me ever again. If you don't want to. <laughs> when you say a mantra, like what are we talking? Like what, like, can you give me an example of one? Mm. Well, um, like, sorry, like, um, 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 yeah. Is that really yeah, that like a mantra. what, um, it's just a, it'll be a, like it'll be a sound. Do some people have specific mantras that they're given and it's a secret? Because I've heard some yogis yes. and meditative people be like fully like you can't tell each other your mantras. Really? Is that right? Yes, correct. So if you learn oh. this with me with the the high level the high level universal mantra doesn't doesn't matter. You can I mean I recommend that you just keep it yourself for a few reasons uh and if you learn the full version then you'll get a mantra which is designed to be just for you and part of that is because this is a word that has no meaning to it there's no attachment to it and it's just for you and if you then start sharing it around in the world writing it down telling people about it so i'm like oh that sounds like this person's yeah. name or this sounds funny or they laugh and it loses its power it's like oh suddenly it's this other word again that that you're using all, all the time so to get the most out of it keep it to yourself so is it just a random like you just literally make up a word or is it like pineapple or like like, like mondo dolphin. or something like they're not actual any... things? <laughs> no, I've studied. I've been taught the mantras. So oh okay okay, okay. so there's specific mantras and he you teach we pick one from you. Gotcha. No, you I choose one for you. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. I'm, I'm following. I'm following. Yes. So, do you have like ten different ones that you just delegate and you so reuse them? To do this. So there are different sets of mantras. So I had to study for about eighteen months to mm. to do this. Uh, there are like seven different iterations of mantras you can get. Okay. So the first set of mantras is there's less than a hundred, and based on like. Um, what I've what I've studied it's quite simple like I'll know what mantra you're gonna get as soon as you walk in the room you know you, you tell oh, me wow. your past experience your age I'll go cool this is what you're gonna get and cool. and that's how it goes yeah yeah I don't sit there and channel and go and go oh she's gonna be a mango yeah let's go like it's not like yeah, he looks into his third <laughs> eye and he's like and then we can't tell each other each other's mantras Ooh, a are you actually gonna no, you cannot. this I mean, if you're going, like, I mean, no, look, I need Listen, this. I will go. Negativity <laughs> already associated with it. Oh, my gosh. No, no, no. Look, I need. I do need this, so let's go. Where, where are we going and how long does it take? And so- <laughs> <laughs> going to his website. <laughs> no. We will definitely leave all the information for our listeners about the course and the courses and your contact details in our show notes so people can um, – 
if you want to do it as well, you guys can. But um, now that I've got Elodie back in the room. Sorry, I, Minnie was having a moment there. Yeah, yeah, we had a mini moment. But She's um, with my mum, but I had to attend to her. I haven't just like left her in a room and shut the door. Um, She's got a babysitter. So I, I'm i sure that you've done a bit of research about us. Elle lost her partner two, two or so years ago now and a lot of our listeners come to us in like sort of times of despair or they've been pushed um, to our podcast or recommended for other people when they've suffered these crazy traumas and losses and stuff like that. Do you have any like advice or guidance or like, you know, when people are going through the types of traumas to sort of like help them with their healing? Obviously you're going to say this meditation, but do you have any other advice in that, in that domain? So one of the, the most powerful things to understand is that our body heals via feeling. And so a lot of us, we can tend to try to, we spend a lot of time up in our heads trying to solve and overthink and rationalize. And unfortunately that while it can be really helpful to try to reframe how we, how we view things, there's still a level of this level of physical, like energetic trauma that we, we hold on to. And a really, really uh, important part of the healing process is feeling of, of, of the physical. So when we experience something traumatic, our body holds on to that. And for a lot of us, we then become very good at like numbing and yeah. we stay busy or it's social media or it's drinking or medica- medication or sex or who knows what it is. We keep ourselves busy and, and often up in the head and the physical is just like we, we do things to, to numb. And That's me. Yeah, it's actually counterintuitive because our bodies need to feel to move through. And this is the discomfort, right? It's scary. It's yeah. Yeah. I, I totally um, get it. Like it's, you sit there and it's like, what could come up? And then the stuff mm. comes up and it feels really uncomfortable. And it's like, can I handle this? I want to go back there. Now the, mm-hmm. the thing is, unfortunately is that while we still hang on to the trauma in our bodies, there's a fair chance that's going to keep coming back up and, and back up again. Now, if we allow ourselves in a safe environment, you know, snippets of allow uh, of being okay with like feeling and letting it move through the body and accepting that whatever comes up, maybe it's pain, maybe it's anger, like journaling on it, it's really powerful as well. And knowing that expressing is actually a really, really good thing to do. And if otherwise, if we hold on to it, what's going to happen is it'll it'll build and it'll build. And it'll build until the point where it'll start like almost like imagine you've got a, a soda bottle you're shaking it up you shake it up because you've got you know this big experience and you're like i'm just gonna ignore it and it keeps getting shaken up each day because you keep really every time you relive it your mind can't tell the difference between the actual experience and your mind reliving it so that's the stress and again so you kind of keep shaking it and shaking it but imagine if every day you're just like all right cool you know i'm just gonna allow a little bit of this to be felt and you just go and take the pressure off and the next day yeah. okay i'm just gonna experience a bit more of this and take the pressure off Mm-hmm. Slow but surely you're releasing the, the pressure and it might mean you've got to cry and punch a pillow or go under the water and scream under the water or, you know, there are lots of different like body work techniques. Mm-hmm. Breath work is a really, really powerful um, technique for allowing the body to move through trauma as well because we often forget about the physical and it's all mm-hmm. up in here, you know, and therapy is powerful and, you know, CBT is really powerful, but often we forget about the nervous system and, and the physical. So that would be one part of it is to, uh, really place some attention on your ability to 
accept some of the feeling component of what comes with it, which I know isn't is scary and isn't nice, but that's mm. what we need to move move through. I feel like I would say that to people as well because I completely agree and I understand exactly mm. what you're saying, but I just don't know if I practice it. And yep. I think maybe I practice it in tiny little snippets, but I definitely don't like completely succumb to it. And it's fucking scary. Mm. That like scares yeah. the shit out of me. But I know I obviously, like I said, I need that. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I, and this is also that the technique of meditation can actually create an environment for you to slowly start getting used to a slight release of that in a safe environment where you're just quietly in a room by yourself or with a friend or partner or whatever, and you can allow your body to start getting used to some of that feeling because that's where the discomfort meditation comes from, your body feeling stress. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the car to come uh, busting through the land room. I actually Genoa must not- think that we are just absolute pack of idiots here. Like, Oi, Genoa's like, what kind of business are these idiots running? These girls are monkeys. We need a drink after this. Oh, we need to meditate Wait, after this. No, so to our listeners, we just want to give you a brief update of what has actually gone down in this episode. <laughs> we've, the poor guy, yes. we've, we've had to click stop and start about 40 times because there was a delay in the audio and then Minnie's been squawking. Then we've just had friends just like rocking in the room. Then the dog's been barking, squeaking toys. And then the mailman just came. So you're uh, a legend for sticking through this. Yeah, to he's know got so things sorry. to do. He's got meditation to do. He's like pushed all his appointments back because this house is a monkey house, a monkey mind, monkey house. Yeah, so sorry about that. <laughs> sorry, everyone. Anyways, one quick thing that I'd love to know. Um, well, yeah, you know. What, what about when you're hungover? Can you meditate your hangover away or is there a quick fix there? I know this very, I know this very well. So um, obviously when you've been on the piss, <laughs> your sleep is horrendous. So when you wake up the next day, you are yes. fatigued, your body's trying to process, you put your body under stress. And so when you're hungover, the last thing you want to do is meditate. And also your decision-making okay. is very short-term because you're like, I need food, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need to feel better, I need a dopamine hit. And so what meditation does is, and I still find that if you can just like drag yourself up, close your eyes and do it, it like, cause 20 minutes of meditation is like maybe one to two hours of deep rest. Right. So what this is doing is like mm-hmm. it's power charging rest and recovery for your body. So I always wake up like headache, gross. I'll meditate. And I'm like, I feel a bit better. Uh, cause your body is like giving your body like a power packed recovery in, in 20 minutes. So it's the last thing you feel like doing, but one of the best How things for you. How do you not fall asleep though? So sometimes you might. I don't think I'd be worried about falling asleep. I'd be worried about like my mind. I'd be, I'd be like going, you should have been drinking that much. You shouldn't have done that. You're up, you're like, you've stayed up all night. Like, you that embarrassed be- yourself last night. Why did you say this to that yeah, person? <laughs> that was where, that's where I would go with it. Yeah. Freak me out. The monkey mind. Well, that, over here. that <laughs> next day anxiety blues is going to come anyway. And what meditation is going to do is actually decrease that. <laughs> That's so, yeah, we all need a bit of that, Um, a lot of that. Before we we put you through any more torture of this internet situation, Elodie's going to get new internet for next time, but we really just want to say thank you so much for being on this episode. We've loved every second of it. Honestly, like I've learned so much. I'm like going to sign up, do your course. So is Elodie. We're going to keep ourselves accountable. Yeah, thank you so much. You've 
basically bullied me into it and made me <laughs> so, so, so profoundly aware of how much I need this in my life. So thank so, you so much. Thank you. I'm glad. That was good fun, girls. We got there in the end. <laughs> See you, Genoa. Thanks so much. <laughs> See you, girls. Welcome to our Asking for a Friend segment. Yes, asking for a friend. <laughs> you ask, we tell right here, right now. So if you have a question, you can head to the link in our bio on Instagram or we'll put it in our show notes. Send us the questions and we will answer them for your ear holes. Do you girls have a daily routine you follow, i.e. what time do you wake up, eat food, sleep, etc.? At the moment, not a super in, in like a super regimented regimented <laughs> daily routine, I guess with mini it's changed, but I've always been an early riser and always go for my walk on the beach with Rummy. Mm, rain, hail or shine. Yes. Coffee? I I drink coffee, I eat and I sleep pretty well at night. <laughs> I'm like trying to think of my daily routine at the moment. It changes every fucking day at the moment. So I, I, (laughs) now that the iPhones have got that new sleep um, mode thing, you know, like it tells you what time to go to bed at night. I I have that setting on. So like, I think at like 9.30, I'm actually well in bed before 9.30, but at 9.30 it comes, it goes off, puts my phone on do not disturb. So I don't get any notifications and stuff Mm. like that. I go to bed. I've actually been sleeping pretty good lately, which is amazing because I was very, very restless for the last couple of years. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's calmed down a little bit. But so I wake up at 6.30 every morning. I'll kind of – I really want to get off, get out of the habit of picking up my phone and going on my phone before I get out of bed, mm. start just jumping out of bed. I find when Paul's away, I jump out of bed straight away and I, like, will go and do a class or something like that. Yeah. But when he's here – not that he's even there. Like I just like pick you up my around. phone and muck around on my phone. Muck around Chloe. Muck around on my phone. There's no other mucking around going on in the morning. So <laughs> <laughs> Bit of mucking around under the sheets, Tom. <laughs> mucking around under the sheets. No, no, I do, I do, I, I do remember what my what my thing that I like to do every day is always go to a, ca- a cafe, a coffee shop before or after the beach and always meet up with a friend or two there. Like someone is always available to meet up. That's where I have my daily kind of like therapy chats and mm-hmm. fucking just talk about nothing and just have coffee and get into the day and then I go away and I, that's when I get shit done. And yeah. I do mini and I do all, all the things, you know, the day happens. But I yeah. love my morning banter with the chicks or the dudes or whoever's at the cafe. And then we usually do report podcast recordings mostly in the mornings, not today around cause... 9 or 10 or at this case fucking 6 p.m <laughs> <laughs> um do emails eat lunch and i like to be trying to be on the couch like as soon as the sun goes down watch some tv get comfy i haven't watched the sun goes down so bloody early these days that i'm i get that tired so i get a solid nine hours sleep i reckon this, this question's no fried my yeah fuck you sorry my, <laughs> this question's fried my brain because i'm like routine what even is that <laughs> So it works for both, yeah. to have a routine or not to have yeah. a routine. Good question though. It really got my brain trying to think. <laughs> Definitely didn't even answer it probably. But anyway. thank you, Shalink. See you next week. Bye.